Nat Vaser there with Higher Places on Energy Groove Radio. Welcome back to Energy Groove Radio. The show is Movie Groove. It's the groove that spews the news that you should peruse before the movie you choose ensues. And coming up in the show, I don't know. <laughs> there's no, there's not, there's nothing. Really? There's no movie news except for the only movie news is there's no news. Great. Everything has been delayed. There's no Mulan. Strap in for a full there's, two hours, There's everyone. no summer of movies. It should have already begun in earnest, but Ernest isn't doing a damn thing about that. Well, I mean, it's weird. I mean, restrictions seem to be lifting. Surely there's got to be some movies Restrictions out. are lifting. Businesses are reopening. But movie theatres and uh, um, sporting venues are not amongst those businesses opening. We can't go back to the football. Not that I would anyway. <laughs> I understand that sport ball is very popular. Yeah, it is, I was strangely. Watch, I was watching sport ball the weekend before last, and one sport ball team did not sport ball as much as the other sport ball team, and that made me sad. But this <laughs> week, the sport ball team that I like sport balled more than the other sport ball team, and that made me happy. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's a roller coaster of emotions. It sure is. <laughs> Do you like the fact that uh, the television, the televised... Uh, Sport ball matches. Uh, yes. Don't tell me, don't ask me what code it is. I don't know, but they're using virtual crowd noise. How fun is that? Um, it's like canned laughter, but it's, <laughs> it's crowd noise. I think that's brilliant. And it's, but funnily enough, and it's a goal. Fun fact, fun fact. <laughs> some of the crowd noise that they've been using, they've actually extrapolated from video games. Uh, really? Yes. Which video games? Like FIFA, those ones. Like oh, the yeah. Ones, you know? <laughs> yes, um, I remember FIFA 2000. The last time I actually played a sport ball simulator was mm. 2002. FIFA 2002 was great. Was it? <laughs> yeah, but it mm. had, um, I can't remember the commentators. There was one, you know, like, I don't know what he went to do there, Mark. Yeah, you're right, John. <laughs> and it, <laughs> that's right, it was Mark Lawrenson. Uh, I don't know what he went to do there, Mark. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I and, mean, and I... somebody that I was with, you know, he understood. Sport ball, well, and he the, was he got very angry because oh, piss off, Lawrence, you useless little bell end. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about what they're doing with the video games and how they're utilizing the crowd to build the atmosphere and the anticipation and all of yeah. the fun stuff, they're probably just transferring all of those rules over mm. to this television broadcast now. Yeah, I wonder. Apart if, from they have to react live, but yeah. You know. Well, at least the, um, I mean, the, the commentator, because they always use famous commentators, at the very least that commentator doesn't have to sit in a room and for every single person who competes yes. in the league internationally, and there are hundreds upon hundreds of players, he's got to sit through every one of them and go, Beckham, yeah. Beckham, <laughs> Beckham, Beckham, Beckham! All right, what's next? Wing Long, Wing Long, Wing Long! <laughs> Must just be a that very would, tedious task. That would be a long, I'm sure they, long day. I'm sure they get paid a lot. Yeah. But, anyway, um, so um, yeah. so for all you sport ball fans out there, I'm sorry that you're not getting to see the sport ball. You know, do whatever the sport ball does. Sure. Or puck, as it were. Yes, there's there's those. Um, um, did you curling fans? Did you see the video of the <laughs> lady, some official in America? I can't remember. She was outlining rules for tennis. Yeah. Uh, during the COVID crisis. Uh, crisis, yes. Yeah. And um, she was having, she was getting the giggles because she was telling people about what to do with balls and what <laughs> you can and can't do with tennis balls. I see. She was like, if your friend passes you a tennis ball, you can't touch their ball. Don't touch their balls. No. Don't touch other people's you can, balls. That's you can very important. Kick their balls, <laughs> but you can't 
touch them with your hand. Yes, it's yes. much more polite to kick their balls <laughs> rather than actually take their balls in yeah. your hand. Yeah, and she says, if you're confused about whose balls they are, then put initials on your balls. Yes. <laughs> and if you're going to handle somebody else's balls, remember to wash your hands. Yes. Before and after, and yeah. indeed their balls. I love it. Uh, anyway, she was having a bit of a giggle about that, and uh, yeah, yes. it was quite a funny video to watch. Also remember, cricketers, polish your bat. Polish it. Well, they're not. <laughs> well, they can't shine their balls anymore because that's unhygienic. No. Because that involves spit. <laughs> It's a fact. There's a window into Brad's world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> enough of this sport ball talk. We're supposed to be talking about movies, and so that's just what we'll do, hopefully. Um, <laughs> there isn't much in the way of, you know, there's movies that we might get to see someday. Um, <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll just have to talk about uh, movies past. <laughs> Did you watch any movies? No. In the recent past? No. No, you told me that you don't have Netflix. Yeah, well. <laughs> You're one of the few people in Australia who doesn't have Netflix. Uh, I have been. Oh, my God. Well, Burn the heretic. I've been freeloading my Netflix account for quite some time, so I've had a bit uh, of a free ride. Oh, right, so someone you're using had somebody left, else's password? Yeah, well, someone had left their Netflix signed in on my PlayStation. I just hadn't signed out. But then Someone? That had someone who uh, housed that for me. Um, Tori, you remember Tori? Oh, yeah, Tori, yeah. yes. So anyway, she had a Netflix account and I was just freeloading off of hers. Mm. Uh, so I've been doing that for a good 12 months, at yeah. least whenever I last went to Melbourne and she mm. has sat for me. Anyway, so I went to log into Netflix um, the other day to watch something. I don't know what I think I was just browsing, mm. but um, it gave me the warning that uh, there are too many devices using this account and it oh, kicked me so off. Tori was watching something, was she? Yeah, Tori or someone at mum. Selfish her mum. Her mum's also on it as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I see. Yeah. No, we're, we've got the same sort of thing. A, a friend of ours has given us a, a, a password phrase, Disney Plu. Oh, yes. Um, so that's that's how we get Disney Plu. That's how I watched The Mandalorian. I didn't give you any money, Disney Corp. Ha-ha. Free Disney Plu. Oh, but you gave it a stream. Come at me, bro. You gave them data. I did. That's true. Um, I added eyes to the numbers. Yeah. Um, so no movies for you then? Well, any interesting games that you're playing? nothing from Netflix, but um, I did watch a making of hmm. documentary. I tend to watch a lot of those lately. They are good. They are interesting. So I watched the making of The Exorcist, I watched the making of Jaws, and I watched the making of Starship Troopers. Right. Yeah. So which was the most interesting one? They were all great. Yeah. The Exorcist, I think, was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, uh, what do we think of William Friedkin now? Um, Bit of a sociopath? <laughs> he, well, um, that's the director, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, he had some very strange techniques to get reactions from his actors. What, like he, what, like firing rifles firing at guns them? <laughs> next yeah. to their head? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know what? He he apparently got the take he needed. Yes. From well, that. and it, it's an amazing movie because it's shot like a documentary. Mm. There's the scenes in the movie where they're doing medical tests on her, mm. and it's seven. It's the cutting edge of seventies medical technology, and it's like that scene in South Park. Where Butters, they think that Butters is having some kind of hallucination. <laughs> and so they've got this machine that sticks a big rubber thing up his butt and just... <laughs> it's like that. It's hideous. Yeah. It's hideous what happens to that wee girl in that movie. And because it's shot so grounded and realistically, mm. you really buy it. Have you seen Exorcist 3? No. Apparently that is a good one. It is recommended. Exorcist 2, 
ignore it. Um, it's a John Berman film, for example. So the director of Zardoz, that's all you need to know. Yeah. Um, Zardoz is like one with Sean Connery in a posing pouch. Okay. It, yeah, has to be seen to be believed. <laughs> okay. Check that out on your Google image search. Sean Connery, Zardoz. When I can get on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, ignore Exorcist 2. It was a meaningless cash grab. It didn't make any sense. It's mm. garbage. Exorcist 3, though, was written and directed and uh, by the author who was deeply involved, um, William Peter Blatty, who was really closely involved and is a very good friend of William Friedkin. Um, and so he actually directed the third movie, which mm. is based on his sequel, Legion. Mm. And um, it's an enormously effective atmospheric horror movie. There's almost no gore in it, but it's got some really frightening moments. I don't know. Uh, modern audiences might look at it and go, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen, but I <laughs> love it. I, I watch it at least once a year. It's brilliant. If you're interested in filmmaking at all, if you like horror movies, check out Exorcist 3. It's amazing. Well, they had some really cool gags in the first one, like the head spinning mm. thing and then the vomit with the pea soup and the little device that shoots it out of her mouth and stuff they built for it. Mm. There was just some really cool and innovative little things they did um, that no one had really done before in horror. Yeah. Um, so I just thought I thought it was really, really cool. Well, um, in Exorcist 3, it's, the story is... And they had a real priest. Yeah. How cool is that? It's pretty damn cool. But Exorcist 3, the story is about um, a serial killer played by Brad Dourif, mm -hmm. and he does a lot of monologuing in it because he's locked in a cell. And so a lot of the movie is just a... A two shot of uh, Jersey Scott, who's also brilliant in it, talking to the serial killer in a padded cell in a straitjacket. And Brad Dourif, you might remember him as Billy Bibbit from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, well, he, Chucky as well. Chucky. Uh, he was a doctor in Deadwood. He's now too old to play the Joker, which is a crime because he should have got that role over Jack Nicholson. Mm. Should, that's just my opinion. Mm. Um, and he's amazing in it. It's, you know, see it for his performance alone. Okay. He's like uh, he's like Heath Ledger in uh, The Dark Knight. He's like Tim Curry in Legend. When he's not on the when he's on the screen, you can't take your eyes off him. And when he's not on the screen, you're just waiting for him to come back. Mm, okay. So it's amazing. Cool. Um, <laughs> that's a recommendation. I watched a movie. What did that you I, watch? That had been on the the list for a while. I watched the remake of Suspiria. Oh, I thought you'd already seen it. Um, no. Uh, okay. No. So the remake of Suspiria with. Tola Swinton. The original was a, a giallo movie, which is, you know, um, an Italian term that just means, I don't know, gore or something. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it was Italian, wasn't it? it the original was um, a Dario Argento movie. It's considered a classic. The plot is pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, you know, a young girl goes to a boarding school and it turns out that there are witches and... Uh, True to form in the Dario Argento movie, a lot of young girls get killed by falling through or getting stabbed with broken glass. Yeah. He seems to have a bit of a fetish for broken glass. So um, kind of odd. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's mostly known for its visual style, which was unique at the time and still is. Yeah. Lots of very bright colors. Um, and, uh, and a score by Goblin, who are a progressive <laughs> sort of metal synth. Uh. Yeah. Um, band uh, who are famous amongst, you know, Thomas Arnold knows them. Yes. So that's how weird. Well, look, <laughs> Thomas's taste. Yeah. I mean, I distinctly remember the visual style of Suspiria. And I know, mm. I know it's a classic. It's just never really, I've not taken to it. Yeah. But then again, I've not sat down and watched it in full. I've seen bits and bobs of it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, anyway. So the remake, did you find that uh, that held up? It, did that ooh, offer anything new? Uh, well, it was a bit. 
It was um, very well shot for something that was obviously a bit dodge. Um, (laughs) And it had some interesting suspense in it. Uh, It had some very effective gore. Really? But but not not actually gore. No, it's not cutting. It's... Stabs uh, or glass or sharps. Snapping. Ah! The director had... There was an awful lot of bones breaking. Ah. You know, that, yeah, the, that, that's, you know, those scenes where like a bone breaks and oh. you can see the sort of very oh. elbowy action beneath the skin. Um, Why one, was that happening? There's one very effective scene where like, you know, so at the beginning it doesn't really, it doesn't bury the lead. The, a girl arrives at a Berlin dance academy. Yeah. And the first thing that happens in her very first class is that one of the girls goes like, I hate it here, you're all witches. <laughs> and then she tries to escape, but yeah. uh, she finds herself locked in... Um, a dance studio that she can't get out of because it's just surrounded by mirrors. Yeah. And then somebody starts and then the witches do a, like a, chant. A, a spell mm. in the, you know, it's, it seems like a perfectly innocent dance is happening in the other dance studio, but they're actually controlling the body of this girl who's in the uh, creepy dance studio. Oh, this and so girl. her body is contorting. Yeah, it's going in the wrong direction. Oh, dear. In, you know, in tandem with the movements of the dance that's going <laughs> on in the class. And ah. so there's lots of very crunchy, grindy, snappy noises, and she's bellowing and yelling and peeing herself, and it's really, really horrible. Oh, God. And very, very effective, and it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie. But the ending, it all gets a bit silly. Yeah. Um, lots of nudity. Um, a very challenging wank, I have to say. Ow. Um, when, you know, there's lots of naked girls writhing and dancing, but there's also, um, a sort of a zombie demon going around making old ladies' heads explode. Gross. So, like I said, challenging, but I got there. Ow, um, so gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry so, if you're eating dinner right now. And Tilda Swinton plays two roles. She plays, you know, uh, one of the witchies, mm-hmm. a dance teacher. A dance uh, a, teacher. A very austere dance teacher. Oh. Uh, but she also uh, plays an elderly doctor who's trying to find out what what happens to his wife <laughs> and what's happening to these young girls. And you know, I love her range. Yeah, and she's she's <laughs> she's in a, a very heavy makeup. But uh, yeah, you can tell by the eyes. I'm like, holy shit, that's Tilda Swinton playing that old dude. That's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Tilda Swinton. I mean, you know, if she's in it, then it can't be a bad film. And Dakota Johnson, otherwise known for um, uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yes. So she gets him out. Um, oh, well. What? It's like, I like looking at naked girls. Sue me. <laughs> what can I say? I know lots of ladies who like looking at naked girls as well. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, so if you're thinking, what a sexist person that person is, what's it like being right all the time? Uh, so that was that was a movie that I saw. I also watched uh, Inside Man again, which is that heist movie with Denzel Washington that was directed by Spike Lee. Oh, okay. I have no interest in heist movies. Um, it's quite a good one. Um, mm. So uh, I can never think of the English guy's name. Anyway, uh, Dermot. Uh, oh, God almighty. I'm finished. I can't talk about movies at the moment. <laughs> Look, why don't we just go to a track? Shall we? Yes. Um, I've got one by Catfish and the Bottleman here. This is Conversation. Energy Groove Radio. Well, that was great, good, fine, okay with change. Wasn't that lovely? Yes, not just a band. It's a description of their music. <laughs> um, welcome back to Energy Groove Radio. The show is Movie Groove. It's what's on screen. Um, we're transmitting live from the beautiful city of Sydney and all around the world. My name is Alistair Lockhart. And sitting with me in the studio, as usual, is the ebullient. Oh. Bradley Dewins. All right. That just means cheerful. Oh, okay. All mm. right. Fair enough. 
Um, so, uh, movie news. <laughs> what um, about it, Al? Oh, boy. Do we have anything at all? Did you scrounge up anything? Um, well, I, I might have something. Um, mm. but uh, I'm poised. I'm ready. <laughs> I can't find my crickets. Where are my crickets <laughs> gone? Oh, there they are. Well, you, got, you turn your fader up, love. Oh, there it is. There we go. That's what's happening in the world of movies at the moment, yeah. I'm afraid. Mm. Um, there wasn't a show on last week or the week before. No. Because I remember thinking, oh, I've got to do a show today. Nah, to hell with it. <laughs> if they want a regular ah. show, they give me a regular check. Well, um, look, I was going to check in and see if everything was all right because I thought an emergency might have happened, but no. No, no, no. no. I'm sitting at home drawing pictures. Okay. That's what I do. Mm. Um, I'm producing art assets for video games at the moment, so I just sit on my bed with my dog, draw pictures, and watch Netflix. What a life. Oh, it's amazing. Mm. Um, I think I saw on Netflix that I rather enjoyed uh, American Vandal. Yes, we were talking about this earlier, and mm. um, yeah, I, ha- I have seen the trailer for it. Um, it looked real. Uh, like it, it actually looked like a, a legitimate thing that would happen in America, which I think says a lot about what I think of America more than anything. It may do. I was, I'm embarrassed uh, to reveal that I did actually think it was real, like for the first couple shows. You got Blair Witched. I was, yeah, I got completely Blair Witched. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I was thinking, is this real? So I thought I better ask Google and it said, no, no, Alistair, <laughs> it's not real. But do enjoy it. Yeah. So um, that's how good. I mean, like they, they've got some very young actors in it. These kids are like 15 or 16 and they're amazing. But they're legitimate. 15 or 16 as opposed to like your Dawson's Creek 30 year olds yeah, playing 15 it, or 16. It's not like your Brian De Palma version of Carrie which has high school seniors in their 30s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> although there's an opening scene in Brian De Palma's Carrie and you're thinking yeah, I'm really glad that all these children are definitely over the age of 18 yeah, in sure. real life. Um so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a brilliant little piece. It's you know, um, it's found footage, right? Or it's snipped together. Of... No, it's the, the the setup is that there's a kid working the school newspaper, mm. and uh, you know, and he's in the the VR club. Sorry, the the VA oh, club in oh, the sorry, school. It's documentary style. And so he has access to you know cameras and stuff like that, and he decides to investigate. Um, one of the kids in school is expelled for spray painting the teachers' cars. With dicks, 27 dicks spray painted <laughs> larger than life on the cars. Mm. And uh, he decides to investigate, did this kid actually do it? Mm. And um, yeah, there's a whole series of him investigating it. And it's got lots of twists, lots of twists and turns. It's funny. It's <laughs> it's very real. Uh, the actors in it are absolutely fantastic. Mm. It had me fooled for at least a couple of episodes. Well, the trailer made it out to sound like it was a real thing. Mm. So it's exceptionally well written. Uh. Um you know, uh, and shot, uh, yeah, give it a look because it's a, a really intriguing little mystery yeah, if that involves like... a high school kid who's been expelled for painting dicks on teachers' cars. It's amazing how riveting the show actually is. Well, it came out right in that kind of era of Netflix where Making a Murderer was happening and The Staircase came out and these yeah. were all really riveting stories mm. of people trying to prove their innocence or they'd been wrongly accused. Yeah. Uh, and they'd found that the justice system, even though perhaps they were guilty, we still don't know, mm. but the justice system had had failings. Yeah. Failings? <laughs> failures. Failings. Uh, failings. Yeah. failings. Um, and it, uh, yeah, so there is room to move there when it comes to whether this person's <laughs> guilty or not. Uh, Did you say so, failings? I don't know what I said. Yes. 
It's a euphemism for erectile dysfunction. Is it? A portmanteau of phallus and failing. <laughs> Phalings. Uh, there you go. You can have that one. There you go. Uh, Oxford Dictionary. Dictionary. <laughs> oh, we're on fire. Um, Hello. Hello. Come Hello. on. Let's have one of these. There you go, Bradley. Oh, thank Studio audience. Mm. Very the, the, yes, it came out kind of when making a murderer was a thing, and we were all kind of riveted by these injustice stories. And yeah. So I think, um, you know, they're always riveting. They're I've always been watching riveting. a lot of true crime. Mm. Um, uh, Have you watched The Staircase? On Netflix. It's no, I have very not. good. Yeah. It's very good. The Staircase is about... Uh, it's about a very famous author and it's real. Um, oh, right. I saw the beginning of that and I thought uh, at the time I was like, I may have been watching a little bit too much true crime recently because sure. I'm starting to despise humanity. <laughs> it does It does make you not want to trust the justice or legal system and also yeah. anyone else that you live with, mm. i.e. your spouse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't do well for the mental health. But yeah. if, you, if you find the time and the mental capacity out i would recommend the staircase because it is quite good yeah it's there's another one called trial by jury which um you know obviously famous cases where the person like uh gets bernie gets in, uh, in new york was just this nerdy guy who shot a bunch of people who he you know black youths who he claimed mugged him right um and uh at first he was a hero and we were going like yeah you know the people in new york striking back at crime and then eventually it turned out he was just a hideous racist who killed a bunch <sighs> of black people but he was acquitted um, gross, 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 gross. Uh, and yeah, and it's horrible because eventually, like I think it was like a fourth episode, because you see people getting away with massive fraud, yeah, because the case is so public. And then there was one case; it's in the seventies where a woman was gang raped in a pub, and I started to feel physically ill mm. because there were six men involved and two other men who were also in the dock because they just watched and cheered. Mm. And so this woman had to come into court, and she had eight separate um, defense attorneys demanding that she admit that she wanted it. Yuck. So one after the other. Uh, and I started to feel awful. just physically ill. I couldn't watch the whole thing. I don't know what the verdict was. Yeah. I don't care. And does it, yeah, I mean, these things just, I mean, they make you uh, so interested in the story and you're captivated by it. But at yeah. the end of the day, yeah, it's pretty harrowing stuff. Uh, that Especially one, it does make you quite angry when yeah. you know that the people are doing the wrong thing. They all made me angry, but that one just made me feel ill. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, with uh, American Vandal, the second season looks even better. Somebody, you know, put laxatives in the lemonade in the cafeteria, which uh, precipitated an event that became known as the brownout. <laughs> and you've got all this great phone footage of all these kids running in, running in every direction. The toilets are full, so they're just shitting up against the walls. That's great. In the trash cans and everything, all crying. See, that sounds like... <laughs> I mean, that that doesn't sound like fun, but I mean, like the story sounds like fun as opposed to watching something yeah. like... But know, it's all executed so well. Yeah. <laughs> I've got like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh, it's fake, damn it. But uh, I watched it anyway. Yeah. Really great stuff. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, as we always do, we have a thing about the news, which uh, for a long time now, I've been calling a news hope. And first of all, box office news. Uh, yes, uh, the top five, um, or the top seven in the United States, uh, the wretched is still at the top. Good. Um, it's made nine, it's nearly made a million dollars. <laughs> so it's, it's cashing in, um, uh, my, uh, the, the mother of my children took the children to a drive-in the other day. Oh. Didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Why, why didn't it go well? Oh, because one of the, cause the kids are like, you know, oh, we're going to go to the drive and this is going to be so much fun. Or like, oh, this is going to be so crap. And they got there and they weren't allowed out of the car. No. And, um, <laughs> and so they were in a bad mood. And one of them had a tanty. Oh, no. And, uh, but, um, well, at least know, the tanty's in the car. Sandra's a, Sandra's a very, very tenacious lady. She sat there and she toughed out the whole entire movie. It was the first Harry Potter movie. She thought it'd be very enjoyable. But if you've seen that one more than once, you know that it's boring. <laughs> it's a boring movie. Yeah. Um, so nobody was happy and they were relieved when it was finished. And then, uh, so of course, uh, in a drive-in movie, as I, uh, as I assumed, and I was actually correct, you tune your radio into a certain frequency and they transmit the sound. Oh, so that's that. how they do it. Yeah, yes. I was wondering because I've never been to one, so I, I was I was wondering how they got the sound into your car. Mm, so uh, they just put it through your sound system. Through the radio. Um, unfortunately, uh, by the time the movie was finished, the battery on her car was dead. Oh. So, so she had to wait for a tow no. and then drive the two hours home. Nobody had a good time. Oh, that sounds <laughs> just horrendous. Just horrendous. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, Why couldn't someone at the drive-in help her? Um, like, couldn't they jumpstart her car or something? I suppose somebody might have stopped and jumpstarted her car, but she wasn't allowed to get out of said car, so yeah. she would have to actually flag somebody down. Oh, yeah. You know, and a lot of people just don't have jumper cables in their cars anymore because it's not a thing. Right, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, people don't maintain their cars anymore because mm -hmm. you can't because, you know, you open the bonnet and... There's... It's a computer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I, so that that was... Well, that sounds awful. That was awful. <laughs> that was Aren't you awful. glad it wasn't you? Um, well, uh, in another life, I would have been there as well. <laughs> so I'm glad I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the benefits of getting divorced. Um, so <laughs> in the second place. So I don't know if The Wretched is doing well in drive-ins in the States. Max Winslow... And the House of Secrets is in the number two spot with uh, a gross of $1,129. Oh, raking it in. Yeah, I know. That's what it takes to get to the number two spot during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. Um, the United States, uh, not doing so well with the COVID-19. Bit of a failure of leadership. Mm, well, mm. are we surprised? No, no. So, um, anyway, uh, the trip to Greece which we talked about in our last show two weeks ago. Yes, the comedy. Um, two British comedians on holiday and talking uh, and just, you know, shooting the shit. Circles, i got no idea. It did a whole $419, which wow. is... Um, it's a respectable. That's a respectable claim of 70.3% on its previous week. Wow. Mm. So uh, its, its gross of $419 has brought it to an average gross, weekly gross of $419. <laughs> um <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Uh, no, no, you don't. It's it's an involuntary mm. thing. Laughter, apparently. Mm -hmm. um, strike, three hundred and ninety dollars. How to build a girl has taken another two hundred and ninety-eight dollars. That's down, isn't it? And the true history of the Kelly gang just oh. holding in, holding on there in the number seven spot, dropping one spot from number six with ninety-one dollars in total. Okay. Uh, so far, it's grossed $33,000 in the United States. These are strange days indeed. Strange times. But it was number one at one point for two weeks in a row, right? That's right. 
They should, they can put that on the marketing. <laughs> they can put that on the box. The number one U. Yeah, they should. <laughs> when they open again, number one in the U.S. box office. The true history of the Kelly Gang. Seriously, I'd be milking that for all it's worth. Yeah, should be on the poster. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> the people sit through it and go like, "Oh my god, this is the most depressing thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life." Oh. Anyway, uh, and in other news, um, yeah, uh, the Snyder cut of Justice League. Ugh. That's a different ending, apparently. Oh, who cares? Uh, so you're not going to watch it? No. You're not going to watch the Snyder Cut? Because I'm, I'm curious. I think it will do quite well because a lot of people will be quite curious to see if the Justice League that Snyder had planned... I'm happy to work that out anecdotally. ...was indeed going to be as big a disaster. I'm not wasting any more of my time on that film. Well, the, um, it was originally going to be two films. And the ending of the first film was going to be, you know, the um, uh, Superman is resurrected and he's unhappy, evil Superman. Wow. Um, what a twist. And uh, and so that would be the, the crisis at the beginning of the first movie is that we're going into the second movie going like, now the Justice League has to band together to fight Superman. And the problem there is that Superman is pretty much, you know, the Justice League are failing and then Superman shows up and goes, hello. Is it time for me to solve the problem? Yes, it is. Okay, then. That's certainly what happens at the end of the, the theatrical cut. Uh, he literally turns up and says, <laughs> he says, um, are you still having trouble with this guy? I mean, they're getting creamed, and he just shows up and goes like, dum dee dee doo flick. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently Stephen Wolf is going to look different. I wondered if they were going to go with the original bad guy, which is uh, Darkseid. He's basically the Thanos of the DC universe. Yeah. So think Thanos, but not quite. This is this the guy with all the gems? Uh, what are we fighting for again? Remember the Marvel one? Thanos, purple guy. He had a glove that had gems on it. Yes. Right. So Darkseid. What was Darkseid want? What does he want? Gems again? Same thing. Stones, Just, you know, uh, death. Right. I don't know. I'm not big on the DC <laughs> universe, but Darkseid is... Um, I just can't... I, that movie, he's, even though I saw it at a press screening, it was awful. It's pretty much the same thing. He's, you know, very destructive, mm. the, the the devil sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it was originally going to be that. Apparently this one, it says here that it's going to be Steppenwolf again. So mm. it's not the original Schneider cut. Right. It's going to be Steppenwolf, but he's going to look different, which is good because in the theatrical cut, he it looked like cutscenes from a PlayStation game. If you've ever seen um, the Injustice, the Brawler, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you've ever watched cutscenes from that, the yeah, the the action scenes in Justice League don't look any different from the uh, the cutscenes in yeah. Injustice. So it's just not a convincing lineup of characters, in my opinion. Like they had to cut together something into one movie uh, and cut their losses and just went like, just put something together and none of the special effects team had anywhere near enough time to get it right. No, Um, it's just like you could tell from watching it that it's just some crap they shat out. Yeah. They just (laughs) stuck it together. Like what what kind of a story can we salvage out of this if we make it into one movie? Okay, now what scenes do we need to shoot? There's so many scenes in it where you can see that they're just uh, standing against the green screen in close up. Yeah. And they've just used background plates from the original footage. Yeah. And, um, you know, all the color toning is in redone, so you can see that the suits, which are supposed to look like muscle tone, you can just see those patches of light and dark on them yeah. made to look like muscle tone. 
Uh, I don't know. I didn't like it. I, I mean, nobody I'm, did. I'm no not, one did. I'm not even familiar with the property, so I was already. It was already, you know, fighting an uphill battle with me anyway. But it was the least successful DC movie so far in the DC extended universe. They've made such a complete cluster fluff yeah. of the whole thing that the most profitable movie they've made so far is Aquaman. I think that's he talks because they, to kind fish. Of, they kind of had fun with that, though, didn't they? Yeah, it, I didn't see it, but I think... But remember how Aquaman was the joke? Yes. Remember how whenever they made jokes at the Justice League, it was like, oh, those are my heroes, and Aquaman, ha, 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 ha. Mm. And then, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a weird world. It is a weird world. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but the Snyder Cut, yes, it is coming, and yes, apparently it is, you know, Snyder is tweeting about it. Mm, good. Um, it's... <laughs> Uh, uh, the now, what does it say here about the? Uh, is there anything here? What what changes is he making? Very first trailer, bloody bloody blah. <laughs> oh, you know, how at the ending, everything was bathed in red. That's mm. going to be blue. That was a change that they made. Really? I don't know why. Really? Okay. Anyway, good. To um. Uh, so, when, where is this being uh, rolled out digitally? Is there going to be a physical thing? What's going on? It's, uh, they're going to put it on, I don't know. Um, don't put it in the cinema. It's not going to be in the cinema. It's uh, the, an article that I read last week said that it was going to be cut up in half-hour segments and released as a series. Yeah. So uh, that sounds rubbish. They're milking it for all <laughs> it's worth. They sure are. Um, and in other news that you don't care about, uh, Anna Kendrick uh, has apparently spoken out about the horrendous nightmare that she suffered while filming Twilight, but then you read I the... thought everyone who was filming Twilight suffered a horrible nightmare. Oh, that was after it was made. No, she was talking about during filming. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently, and then you read the article, and apparently, in one scene, she had very wet feet, and that was not nice. Oh, so that's that's well, what we're working with at the you moment. Know, you know, there's a real <laughs> real threat of trench foot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I've heard uh, mm. the soldiers in World War One and the cast of Twilight <laughs> have so much in common. They really do. I believe that now the cast of Twilight march on Anzac Day <laughs> in solidarity <laughs> with their brothers and sisters in the armed forces yeah. because of the hardships they suffered. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Her shoes were wet while filming one scene, and she was feeling this isn't nice. Uh, so, um, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for fighting for our freedom, Anna Kendrick. Thank you, Anna Kendrick, for your service. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and also in other news, uh, that's how I feel. Uh, a new Netflix movie has copped a woeful zero percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, uh, the last days of American Crime, which you might have seen trailers for. No. Um, uh, in order to score a nil rating on Rotten Tomatoes, Bradley, you have to have received not a single positive review from either reviewers or users. I think as an actor, that's probably your worst fear is being in a movie that's just universally panned, but not even to the point where people will actually like the movie for it in uh, a weird culty way. Do you know who Edgar Ramirez is? I do not. Because the main actor is a fellow called Edgar Ramirez, and he, he he's a bit sort of like... He almost looks like a leading man. Well, but but he's feel... he's a bit sort of like he's a bit sort of Johnny Meatface. He looks more <laughs> like the guy who should be playing Henchman One. If you squint and you look away from the screen a little bit, 
he could come off as a young Billy Zane, Latin Tom Hardy. No, it's he looks more like a young Billy Zane. He looks like Billy Zane, but a bit more beefier on the jowls. All right. So he's definitely got the the hair. Mm. Uh, anyway, uh, set on a 2009 graphic novel of the same name. Um, apparently, technology in the future is going to allow the authorities to control our thoughts and make us crime free. Hmm. And so he's going to pull off one great big heist before that happens. Oh. And apparently it's all action and very little else. But is it good action? Is it good action? Zero percent rating. So basically there's lots of gore, lots of violence, um, explicit sex scenes, and yet somehow completely boring. That they just failed to make you care about any of the stuff that's going on. That's a shame. But these are the reviews. I haven't seen the movie. I might watch it now because, you know, Mm. uh, colour me interested. Occasionally bad movies are fun to sit through. Yeah, well, if, if nobody cares about you talking about all talk, talking all the way through it, yeah. So there's no one in it that I recognise. No, like I said, Edgar Ramirez or Johnny Meatface, as I'm calling him. Mm. Um, it's like <laughs> they're people that you could recognise, but you're kind of like, have I seen him before? Mm. Maybe they're actors that kind of look like other actors. You know, we'll like, have to do a list. Mm. Logan Marshall Green. Like the lady <laughs> kind of looks like um, Hilary Swank in a few of the images. Hilary's wank. Mm. Uh, she does a little bit. And then there's like a few images that I'm looking at where I'm kind of like, okay, well, he could he could be like, I don't know, you're Sean Connery or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, Who am I thinking of? George Hamilton? George Hamilton. Um, and then Christopher you, Lee-ish. Yes, a little Christopher Lee-ish. Yeah. And then you look at, and see where I get the Tom Hardy thing from, do you see? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a few, like, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah. I know that guy. Oh, no, that's not him. <laughs> like, that's the reaction you'll have through the whole trailer. <laughs> oh, it's got him. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, if you're watching the news these days and thinking, oh, no, maybe there's something on Netflix. No. No, mm. there's not. No. Except Sorry. for American Vandal. That's quite good. Uh, <laughs> so, and that, um, horribly... That is all we have this week um, on um, uh, on a news hope. So until next week, know this: that this source will be with you always. There's DJ Khaled. No brainer. On Energy Group Radio. Nineteen seventy-five. Me and you together. Song. Energy Groove Radio. Welcome back to Movie Groove. It's what's not on screen. No. Yeah. So there's not much going on. No, there's not. I think people have gathered that by now. <laughs> uh, so what shall we talk about? Oh, God. What's your favourite movie of all time? <laughs> what's my favourite? What are we, on a date? Go on. <laughs> what well, movies do you like? Yeah. What a stupid question. I like Godfather 3. <laughs> I like Godfather 3. I know it's not considered the best one. Well, but it's, like, really it's like, like people asking, what's your favourite band or what's your favourite song? It's like, God, I have many that I could tell you, but do I really want to? Mm. Yeah. Um, and mind you, I can't think of these things on the fly for some reason. I really struggle to pick a movie out of the air that I've really enjoyed. No. You know? I'm not good on dates because I'm bad at small talk. Right. What's your favourite movie? I used to be an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You do tend to blurt out every detail about your life. Oversharing. You overshare. Yeah. I'm that's uncircumcised. 
Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. See that? See, that's a perfect that's example. Why of... you don't want to date Al? Yeah. Unless that kind of thing is of interest to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So, do you have a movie that you would? All right. So, if you were going to watch a movie right now, what would that movie be? You're going to curl up and watch one of your favorite sleep. Mm. Yeah. No, well, napping doesn't count. (laughs) We're all trying to run out the clock by sleeping through it, but (laughs) when you can't sleep. Um, I honestly couldn't say. What's a movie that you really liked when you were a kid, but you can't, but then you watched it again recently and went like, wow, this sucks. Uh, I mean, I watched... Probably something from my childhood that I did watch kind of recently was The Little Engine That Could. Oh. Yeah, a little animated thing. Yeah. It's not very long. No. Um, I used to watch that religiously as a child, mm-hmm. like just over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Watched it again. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, the voice <laughs> acting is good, yeah. I've got to say, and the animation is beautiful, but... Yeah, it's just nowhere near as affecting. Yeah. Like, because there's some scary moments, right? Um, I You haven't seen it. There's some scary moments I where the train's going up the, the mountain and it's all rickety. And you're not, but you're um, not sure that if the little engine is going to make it. That's right. There's kind of a spoiler in the title. Yeah, the only thing that bothered <laughs> me, right, so I really liked it as a kid, mm. but the voice of the lead train, the little engine, mm. um, really irritated me. Oh. Irritated me That's a immensely shame. to yeah. the point where I was like, this is really annoying. Mm. And it was one of those really, um, I mean, I don't know who the voice actor is for it. I could look it up and I'm sure they're a well-respected professional in their art. Uh, but you could just tell it was a woman, even though she's playing a male train. Mm. <gasps> or maybe it's a female train. Oh, uh, It boy. might actually be a female train. Oh, no. A male train. Not a male train, but a female train. Oh, I need to. Ooh, maybe that's why. Is it a female? Anyway, just this is riveting radio, isn't it? I'm sorry, but now I'm just having some sort of crises where I'm. I've been. Yeah. The point you were making was because it really doesn't matter whether it was a male or female train. Anyway, it was just an irritating voice, and it kind mm. of irritated me. I had a similar thing with the brave little toaster. What did the brave toaster? I mean, the train goes up a mountain, Al. What the hell does a yeah. toaster have to do? Um, the brave little toaster. It's basically Toy Story three. Right. It has the same ending. They almost they're in a junkyard. Almost end up going into a junk shredder, and then they don't. <laughs> and they get rescued by a little boy. Mm. So there's a, a range of appliances in a holiday home, and they look forward to the visit of the family, especially the little boy. <laughs> There's a toaster and a lamp and a vacuum cleaner and, I don't know, a couple of other things. Cute. And uh, because the family don't show up, they go looking for them. Mm. And uh, the story was absolutely riveting, uh, we found, <laughs> way back when. Um, but, uh, yeah, the music, I have to say, is awful. Right. It has several musical numbers and the music is awful. <laughs> awful. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really a problem with it. No, it's a girl train. Name's Tilly. <laughs> Tilly the girl train. Yes, but what? it's a blue train. Yeah. So you can see that my poor child brain obviously Assumed. associated blue with boy things because it's, it's institutionalized parents. Yeah. Uh, so you can see what confused me. 
Anyway. Blue traditionally was the color for girls and I pink know. was for boys. I know. What, who decided that it was going to swap? Uh, I th- Probably Vanity Fair or something. It'll yeah. be a fashion magazine that decided that we're going to change now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Um, why we have to have colors to uh, assign to genders is... And magazines and newspapers used to have a lot of power that way. It was a newspaper contest where the word hello was invented. Well, no one questioned the, the media in the day, Al. No. No, back in the day they had all the power. Mm. Anyway. What um, happened? <laughs> so Katie Susie did the voices, Tilly. Oh, yeah. Kath, sorry. Kath Susie. She's mm. American. She's nine four, playing Linker in Captain Planet and the Planet Years. Uh, I don't know who that is. She was Lola Bunny in Space Jam. She was, was she? Fifi Lafum in uh, Tiny Toon Adventures. You know, I've never seen Space Jam. What? I've never seen Space Jam. You're an illustrator, Al. I was in my mid-twenties when it came out, and I thought, no, don't wanna. Because for a start, you know, mm. you can tell that it's not the voice. You can tell that's not really Bugs Bunny. Right. If Billy West is doing a passable impersonation of Bugs Bunny, but if you grew up with Mel Blanc doing Bugs Bunny, then you were never going to accept Billy West. I thought on a technical level you would appreciate Space Jam. No. Okay. It's an awful movie. <laughs> it, well, it's not great, no. It has Bill Murray in it, and it doesn't even have that much going for it because he's not in it much. Yeah, but uh, one of the lecturers at SAE Creative Media Institute, where we broadcast from, worked mm-hmm. on it. Um, um, who was that? Well, it was before your time at SAE, yeah. Was it? David someone. David? I don't know. He didn't like me very much. But either way, he <laughs> drew some stuff on Space Jam um, because it was all hand animated. You see, it was kind of like Roger Rabbit, mm-hmm. that kind of style. Right. Yeah. Um, we just got a message from one of our fans on the message board. <laughs> really? Uh, Kate has messaged in to say uh, Space Jam sucks. Oh. It may have been one of the movies that she was forced to sit through many, 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 many times when she had young children. Well, look, I For me, that movie is Cars. I, I mean, I have no interest really in the Looney Tunes, and I also have no interest in basketball. Yeah. But as a kid, I associated Space Jam with Tarzos, which came in packets of chips. And I really I, liked food. Tarzos. I, that was... How did that become a thing? Space Jam. A little plastic disc with a picture on it. This is a new craze. Space Jam basically made Tarzos a thing. And I loved it. Uh, but what, what what did you do with them? It was a plastic disc with a picture on it. What was the purpose of a Tazo? You eat the chips and then you get some sort of little excitement from going, oh, I wonder what Tazo I'll have. And then you open the Tazo and you're like, okay, that's cool. But chips. I, 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 it seemed to me at the time because there was another, they were also called Pogs. The original ones were called Pogs and then Tazos came out because they were just trying to get on the bandwagon. And it occurred to me at the time, because again, I was already in my 20s, that this is a manufactured fad. Yeah. This craze is one that's been deliberately manufactured because to these... sell chips. These, well, not just to sell <laughs> chips. I mean, like the plastic discs as well. Uh, you don't have to make separate molds mm-hmm. for all the merchandising. You just print a picture yeah. on a plastic disc. End of. And I thought this is the most cynical thing that's ever happened. Um, exactly. But and, Space Jam. Oh boy, was I wrong. Space Jam was a vehicle to mm. sell chips and more Tarzos. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was not brilliant. It was awful. Well, the movie is awful. Tarzos were awful. The <laughs> chips. I'll eat the chips. Yeah. You don't have to smatter the chips with Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny to get me to eat the chips. I already like the f- chips. Yeah, but there was a reason why... I wanted those chips. Mm. It's because it has a Tarzo in it. (laughs) 
well. Um, I ain't going to be buying the brands that don't have no Tarzos. Wow, memories. Um, I can't wait to read your memoirs. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be one for the ages. That book, isn't it? <laughs> there was like uh, several chapters on Tarzos. Yeah. Did you? What did you do with the Tarzos? Where did they go? What happened okay, to so them I had the once folder. they had been retrieved from the packet? Once they, they were, wait, they were retrieved, uh, they were, so the duplicates mm. wouldn't go in the folder. No. Well, they would go in the folder for a bit, but they'd go to school with me in the tube because there was a tube so you could transport them yeah. <laughs> without having to put the whole folder in your bag. Right. So anyway, the, the ones I wanted to keep, I'd put in the folder all nicely and there were little slots where you had to fill um, and so you, you know, had all these sheets of Tarzos. It was great. Whole collection. And then all the duplicates would go in this tube and I'd take them to school and we'd all swap. So the sooner the human race is wiped from the face <laughs> of the earth, the better. <laughs> Let's talk about death. Hmm. Um, people die all the time, Brad. Yes, they but do. Sometimes those people are celebrities and as such, they will live in our hearts forever. Mm-hmm. Or at least after we've bid them a fond farewell and a bit that we call dead for reals. Behind the clouds, the sun is shining. There's a big blue sky waiting right behind the clouds. Well, you're dead now, so shut up. Yes. <laughs> Kate also messaged in and said, Tarzos went into landfill. It's like, well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, they've probably choked a million seals by now. There'll be one of those things that archaeologists will unearth <laughs> in thousands like, of years and say there was clearly a, you know, some kind of insanity. Or they'll just mistake them for money. They'll be like, <laughs> here's some crude mid to late 20th century money. These were obviously prayer discs of some kind. (laughs) Prayer discs. That were offered up to the great (laughs) god M. Yeah. What's this Jesus dust on them? The great god M and his acolytes, the minions. Yeah. Um, So, uh, this week in Dead Frills, first Mm -hmm. of all, we have Corey Fisher. Well, dead. What are crazy bones? Are they um, collectible, like Tarzos? Possibly. Kate won't stop messaging us, and it's very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> she said something about crazy they bones. They are and... their little collectible plastic things that you got at a McDonald's. Oh. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, I remember these. These were, I collected these too. I want to find a way to freeze myself in stasis for 2,000 <laughs> years so that I could speak to the people in 2,000 years' time and be the person that explains to them, no, 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 they weren't prayer discs. It was shit. <laughs> shit that they sold to idiots. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, more plastic crap. And there's enough about it online that you can learn all about crazy bones. Mm-hmm. Um, history is a, a wonderful, rich and vibrant thing, isn't it? So supposedly, I mean, are these, when did these come out? We are trying to honour the memory of Corey Fisher. Yeah, well, you brought up crazy bones, so... No, Kate brought up crazy oh, bones. Oh, Kate brought up crazy bones. Sorry, I thought this was related to the story. Yes, so, Kate, we love you. Please stop texting in. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, Corey Fisher was uh, uh, an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, he, an early film appearance was the biker cult film Naked Angels. Oh. And an early television appearance was a 1966 episode of Daniel Boone. Right. He was in Robert Altman's first three Hollywood movies, MASH, Brewster McLeod, and McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Yes, I will bring home some food. (laughs) Um, 
Just text in and let me know what food you would like me to bring home. If you would like to text into the Energy Groove studio line, just like Kate. Yes. Uh, 0481 <laughs> um, And many of the best known TV comedies of the 70s, including All in the Family with a, a genial racist. You ever see that one? Um, so Archie Bunker was a genial racist. Um, it was basically the American version of Love Thy Neighbor. Right. Um, uh, Sanford and Son, which was the American version of um, Steptoe and Son, which was a classic British comedy about a rag and bone man and his son. Um, which what, was what is a, a rag and bone man? Um, a tinker, somebody who goes around the streets uh, with a cart, and if you have um, uh, recyclable junk, something that's made of steel, oh. or something that you know that could be repurposed and sold on or old furniture, then a rag and bone man will take it for free. Weird. Why do they call him a rag and bone man? Um, well, basically because you're throwing out your shit and he's buying it. He's taking it away yeah. and seeing if he can turn it into something saleable. Okay. So uh, no, I that, just don't get the rag and the bone. Um, well, it's, it's a colloquialism. He's, he's, he's coming to get your garbage. So if you've got rag or bone, oh. obviously that you're not using and don't need. Okay. And you don't have a dog. Mm-hmm. then you don't need a rag with which to wipe the dog or a bone with which to feed it. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so, uh, Sanford and Son, which starred Red Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, father of Jamie. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Barney Miller, uh, which was a show that they actually played here in Australia about a cop. Never seen it. A cop station. It was just a sitcom set in a cop station. It's actually quite good. Did you ever see um, Firefly? No. You know, uh, one of the main characters in that is uh, uh, a preacher. He's called a shepherd, Shepherd Book. And he was in it. Mm. Uh, Barney Miller, great show. It ran for like seven seasons. Uh, Abe Vigoda was in it. I used to love that show when I was a kid. Are you talking about Firefly? Yeah, Firefly, yes. Yeah. Right. What did I say? No. Yeah. No, Firefly. So the guy who yeah. played Shepherd Book in Firefly was in Barney Miller also. And Firefly is the one with Nathan Fillion, right? That's the one. Mm. Um, and he was also in uh, in a show that we all know. Ah. Let's listen to the whole thing. Let's not. Okay. It's awful. <laughs> it's just an awful, awful theme tune. <laughs> Just horrible. It really is. Anyway, uh, Corey Fisher, whomever that person was, uh, is dead. See ya. Um, they don't have a picture of him here. And, uh, <laughs> they don't even have a picture. No. Oh. Um, also in Dead for Reals, uh, we honour the memory of Bruce J. Friedman. Well, dead. He was an American novelist, screenwriter, playwright, and actor, noted for his versatility in writing mm. in both literature and pop culture. Hmm. He was a trailblazer in the style of modern American black humor. Right. And uh, the themes that he, uh, uh, that often featured in his writing were major cultural changes. Right. So, um, uh, his most famous pieces, they're bound to be here somewhere. <laughs> um, novels, blah, 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 short fiction, filmography, The Heartbreak Kid. Okay. 1972, uh, famous uh, Neil Simon thing. Uh, they remade it with Ben Stiller. Did they? Yeah. Oh. Um, a Ted uh, Foreplay, Stir Crazy, very famous comedy movie about being in prison with Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. I see. 
Yes, that was one of the favorites that they used to play when I was a kid. Very mm -hmm. favorite home video thing. Like the Blues Brothers. We'll get the Blues Brothers and stir crazy and have a good laugh. Huh. Yeah. You watch them now and think, ah, the people back then were easy, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Detroit. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, Dr. Detroit was a, um, an early Dan Aykroyd vehicle. It's supposed to be hilarious. Mm. It is not. I find Dan Aykroyd very hit or miss. Yes. Dan Aykroyd, um, if you can keep him under control, his ideas can be channeled into something that turns out to be really good, like Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. On other occasions, you get things like Dr. Detroit. <laughs> you might also get a Blues Brothers out of him. Mm. But then you might, on occasion, get nothing but trouble. A famously bad movie directed by Dan Aykroyd. Mm. Um, yes. If you want to watch a weird, weird, weird movie with lots of great, very badly executed ideas in it, uh, Nothing But Trouble, starring Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, Dan Aykroyd, Tupac, oh. when he was with, I thought, what were they called? The, the Digital Underground, I think was the name of their, an early band that he was in? Maybe. Anyway. And, um, uh, and John Candy. Terrible. Awful. Mm. Not funny. Movie. I love that all all of those that crew kind of stayed together though, like they they all supported each other, <sighs> even though the material was pants. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's really bad. Not least because you know Chevy Chase famously is kind of an arsehole, and he mm. was really didn't want to be there. You could see from like scene one, <laughs> he's uh, sort of like just stumbling through the whole thing, just going like, "Yeah, stand stand where and say what." Yeah, um, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh. <laughs> Uh, Splash, which was a massive hit in its day. Mm. The thing about the mermaid with Tom Hanks. Yes, the one with the uh, Disney Plu. Um, Disney Plu, yes. Put, they, the, put the CG hair. covered up Yeah, that lady's bottom. <laughs> and she's got a very nice bottom. Oh, dear. Anyway, um, so there you go. Those are the most famous people that died this week. Um, well, that was painful. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do? I don't know. COVID-19 is making this show very, very dull. We're going to have to like watch some movies. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> well, when are, we, when are you going to watch? But before um, we go to extremes. You promised to watch a Star Wars with me. Oh, God, I don't want to, Al. Remember how much you enjoyed Top Gun? I hated Top Gun. <laughs> are you going to come watch Top Gun 2 with no. me? No. No. Come on, it's going to come out at some point, maybe in 2021, no. if we're not all dead by then. I am not. I'm yawning already, just yeah. from Top Gun <laughs> being mentioned. Look, um, while you get a coffee, we'll have some Zara Larson. All the time on Energy Groove Radio. That was Miley Cyrus there with Slide Away on Energy Groove Radio. I don't like it when you say that. Mm. <laughs> yes. Wherever you are tonight, Miley, remember that love doesn't last forever, but herpes does. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's not very nice. No, it's not. But if you're going to be sexually active, you are going to have to take precautions. I love that bit in Mean Girls. Have you seen Mean Girls? Uh, I have, but the only once the coach, a long time ago. The coach is explaining uh, to the, the teenagers that if you have sex, you will die. <laughs> uh, well, if you have sex, you will get pregnant and you will die. On a long enough timeline, <laughs> we're all dead. So, you know, 
<laughs> on a long enough timeline, your chances of survival drop to zero. Yes. So that's true. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so what? What do we? Just what do we go? We were talking about there. We'll see. If we've got more. You know. Um, uh, oh wow! All uh, controversy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's been a whole bunch of stuff pulled from Netflix. Yeah. For problematic racism, Bradley. Yes, there has been. Um, Little Britain, for example. Yes. Uh, has been pulled from uh, UK streaming services and, uh, and Netflix for the use of blackface. Mm. Um, now, I don't have a problem with this because I never liked Little Britain. I don't understand what all the fuss is about. They wrote six sketches and then repeated those sketches over and over and over and over again. Um, yeah, I feel the same. Um, I feel like it was, it just got a bit long. Long in the tooth after a while, it just, yeah. Well, there was one sketch, Bradley. <laughs> there was one sketch where <laughs> David Williams was dressed up as an old lady and, <laughs> and said old lady would end up peeing on the floor for a long time without noticing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next episode, the same she thing. She did the same thing. And then in the next episode, the exact same thing. In fact, they managed to pull that off. Of, what, how many... How many episodes in the series? It kind of it goes to show just how easily pleased we all are. There was we'll another just one. Laugh at the same thing over and over again. There was another one where a mentally ill person made this noise, <laughs> and that was the whole joke. And yeah. they repeated that sketch over and over and over and over again. My favourite was the dust lady, dust, the Weight Watchers one, the fat shaming one. If there was one that made me laugh, it was the insane Scottish hotelier who kept on saying. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, yes, uh, not all that fussed about Little Britain being pulled from Netflix <clears throat> or the Chris Lilly series. Something else that was quite popular that I never found funny. I look, yeah, Chris Lilly always made me feel a little uncomfortable. And I don't know whether that was because of his stereotypical depiction of gay people and or black people and or Asian women. people or and indigenous w- people mm. and uh, people of colour. Yeah. Uh, the it's only- astonishing that he got away with it, not just once, but over and over and over and over again. The only one that was probably the least offensive was the uh, the high school chick that he played. That was... Mm. I can't remember the name. It Jamie? was okay, Jamie. so least offensive, but no less mean spirited than yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jimmy or something. Her name was God. I can't. Jimmy. That's it. Jimmy. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yes, but either way, Netflix has um, removed four of Chris Lilly's shows from yes. its streaming service, and the move the move has been compared to Confederate statues being torn down by protesters. Um, but Netflix has been pretty tight-lipped about it anyway. So he his shows We Can Be Heroes, which is fair enough because that's pretty offensive. Um, although people are going to miss out on that beautiful character, Pam, or Pat. I think it was Pat. Mm-hmm. Pat and Terry. Pat, who was rolling around the world. She was doing the, you know, the oh. world record for rolling around the I remember the, the cop who got stuck up a power pole and was trying to make a career out of it. Right. I don't remember that one. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Actually. Because he was a police officer who got stuck up a power pole or something for a little while and they tried to make oh. a viral thing out of it. Because oh. when he came back down, the news said, how do you feel? And he said, oh, I'll talk about a bad day at work. And so now he's got T-shirts and cops <laughs> that all say talk about a bad day at work. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so there's there's glimmers of Chris Lilly where I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, funny. 
but Pat and Terry were definitely my favorite characters because they actually had a really good story arc as well. Mm. Um, well and he killed her off in the end. Spoiler alert. Well, uh, you won't be checking any of his work on no, Netflix. Summer Heights High has gone Angry Boys as well as Jonah from Tonga. Good uh, Jonah from Tonga. Oh, yeah. my God. It was cringeworthy. But it's we're going to be seeing this a lot more now, um, that we're going to look back at old shows, old movies, old everything through a completely different lens mm. um, through this 2020, post-2020 lens. Um, um, where yeah. yeah, things are just not going to be as funny anymore because they're going to be offensive or they're going to be sexist or they're going to be ra- uh, quite yes. racist because they just haven't dated well. Yes. And times have changed. People's mentalities have moved on. BT and AT. Yes. Before Trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And after Trump. Yeah. A new era of not that again. Mm. <laughs> and like I was discussing this with someone earlier today about how uh, certain scenes in like things like The Neverending Story, you just wouldn't see happen in t- kids' TV shows today. Like well, a his horse. horse. <laughs> his horse. His horse. Basically sinking. drowning in tar. Yes, traumatizing an entire generation of children. Or the Dark Crystal, where a little girl basically gets stabbed. A little by girl a gets stabbed yeah. on camera. Yes. They didn't even cut away. You no. literally see the knife like. And then the whole shock of it goes through her body. Yeah. So <laughs> there's just certain things now that you look back on and you go, wow, how did that get past Look, let's QA. like Dark Crystal didn't make big ripples when it came out. It was a box of office failure. It pretty much ruined Gary Kurtz's career. He was a producer. He financed it himself. Mm. He had some money left over from producing a thing called uh, what was it? Star Star mm. Star Star something. Mm. Um and <laughs> yeah, it died in the box office. The uh, when Jim Henson first showed it to executives, they at the end, mm. they just stood up and walked out without a word. Yeah. Bad well, review. Okay. I mean, but you, you get my point is I that do. there's just going to be a lot of uh, media now that we're going to be looking back on and going, okay, well, it was okay in the zeitgeist back then, but now it's really not necessarily mm. appropriate. But Gone with the Wind has been removed as well. Now, how do you how do you feel about it? Do you Where's your compass pointing towards? Um, look, I think that that stuff is always available if you want to go and look for it um, for Netflix and other services like them, particularly those who are dependent on advertising revenue, mm. yeah, um, they're going to have to be beholden to their advertisers. However, if their advertisers don't like it, well then, uh, don't show that content. Um, I don't think art should be airbrushed from history. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, if it's problematic for you, then, yeah, you know, it's your business. Show it or don't. Um, there was a... A presenter on a Today program, and of course I don't watch television, so I don't know who this person is. Brooke Boney is her name. Um, Yes, she is an ex-Triple J presenter. Yes, so she said it was a slippery slope. Mm. She said, you know, today we're banning, you know, today we're banning uh, Chris Lilly, Mm. and tomorrow it could be any kind of content that is considered quote-unquote objectionable. Um, I don't buy the slippery slope argument, and, you know, Brooke, you're a white lady, so... uh, She's actually Indigenous, I'll do your research. (laughs) Oh, wow. She looks like a white lady. Sorry. There was me making a massive racist error by assuming that somebody who looks white is definitely white. Yes, Al. Yes. Uh, so, so. <laughs> speaking of media. Um, speaking of media personalities for, with their foot in their uh, mouths. Look, um, I, I have experienced some racism, although I'll call it racism light because I'm a Scottish person. Racism light. Racism light. For a long, long time. 
As a Scottish person in As Australia. As a cis white male, how have you ever felt persecuted, Al? Um, I don't think I ever felt persecuted. Um, but for a long time, uh, I would say to people would say, where's that accent from? And I would say from Scotland. Oh, as if people don't know. How do you, like, what kind of most, idiot is asking what kind of accent is that? It's clearly the Scottish. The most common guess is Irish. Really? Second is Canadian, third is American. Canadian? Fourth is Scottish. Are these people headless? Uh, somebody said Brazil. Oh, A person God. assumed that I was from Brazil. A sunburnt ginger clearly yes. is native to yes. Brazil. Yes, I'm from that part of Brazil <laughs> where we live in caves, hence yeah. the white skin. <laughs> Um, that person was a fitness instructor, so he was starting from behind, let's admit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes, very often. In fact, for a long time, there was a, uh, there was a popular ad for dog food called Chum, which featured a dog oh, here we breed go. from the Scotland. Story. And they would say, Chum's so chumpy, you could carve it in a Scottish <laughs> accent. And so very often people would say, oh, you're Scottish, really? Ah, Chum's so chumpy, you could carve it. And you would go, ha ha, ha 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 ha. Despite the fact that it's basically the same as saying, oh, really, your heritage is Thai. Ha, maji noodle, fast cook, good to eat. Oh, God. It's the same thing. But having said that, I'm still a cis white male, mm -hmm. which means that nobody watches me when I walk into a shop. Yes. Somebody <laughs> repeating back an ad about dog food to you is the same as institutionalised racism it's, and systemic failures. It's within not our quite system. the same. You remember, you remember <laughs> when I went to a, I'm a middle-aged man alone at a Katy Perry concert. I got kind of profiled by the security staff. Oh, look, I'd profile yeah. you as well, judging and, on a few things I've heard you say on the show before. <laughs> yes. Well, based on my appearance alone, a middle-aged man alone... Yeah. At a Katy Perry concert. Yeah. Security were keeping a close eye on me. And I have to say that that was unpleasant. And for all the brown people watching, yes, I do understand that that's not quite the same <laughs> as every single bloody shop you ever walk into yes. ever. Imagine that <laughs> times every hour of every, every day. Every hour of every day. So, your yes, house. I get the fact that I don't get so, it. Yes. <laughs> your hour of uncomfortable. Or, I can't remember why you're at this Katy Perry concert. Why were you there? Um, free tickets. There were free it? tickets. And I'm Scottish, <laughs> which is another unhelpful stereotype, but also one that happens to be absolutely true. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, my take on that is, you know, um, look, uh, Little Britain DVDs still exist. In fact, for a while there, I think every person in Britain was required to own one by law. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with your point that we shouldn't airbrush art out of history. Yeah. I get that. Because um, it, it can happen. Do you know who Fatty Arbuckle is? No. Right. Um, he was bigger than Charlie Chaplin back in his day. In the, in the world of silent movies, he was a massive, massive star mm -hmm. in the United States. One of the most famous men in the country. Unfortunately, um, despite the fact that, you know, the, there was... Rumors of Hollywood hedonism, and he would famously have parties where lots of people would come and take their clothes off and do things to each other. Oh. Anyway, uh, at one of these parties, a young lady partook of too much cocaine and dropped dead, uh -oh. and he was charged with murder. Oh. And that scandal destroyed his marriage and his career. And he has been effectively removed from the cultural zeitgeist. We all remember the Keystone Cops, Charlie Chaplin, Laurel and Hardy, all those big stars of those days. But Fatty Arbuckle... You've probably never heard the name before I just said it. Mm. And, you know, and that's not quite right. Mm. Obviously, he didn't force the girl to take cocaine. It's not his fault he died, but he was the host of the party and the most famous person there. So murder was the charge. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, I think he was acquitted, obviously, because mm. it wasn't his fault. But yeah, his career never recovered. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? It's a weird argument to, you know, remove someone's art slash, uh, I guess, media contribution mm. because now it's deemed unacceptable. And I'm not defending any of Chris Lilly's content, which has been, you know, actually quite racist and offensive. But I guess, <laughs> like, it, it was at that time, it's very of its time where it was yeah. kind of socially accepted. Yeah. And now suddenly society's moved on to a point where it's obviously not yes. tolerating that. No, it's a, or, obviously they, we get that was funny for white people at the time, but now yeah. we know that black people never found that shit funny. And yeah. it's actually deeply, deeply offensive to an entire subsection of the community. It's not acceptable anymore. Yeah. And it's not funny anymore either. If you look back at old episodes of All in the Family, mm. uh, Love Thy Neighbour, oh God. Mm. Um, mind Your Language. Yeah. Oh, uh, like at the time you think, yeah, this is all harmless fun. But now, you know, because even back then, Mind Your Language was, it was a British sitcom about a language class. So there was the Indian and the Pakistani character, uh, the Pakistani and, uh, yeah, so those, obviously those two characters didn't like each other. So that was a running mm. joke was that they were at each other's throats. Mm. The sexy French character, um, the uh, the clueless Spanish character and so on and so forth. Mm. All really offensive stereotypes. Back then it was harmless and people who were part of those communities may well have been laughing along with the joke thinking, well, it's all in the spirit of fun. But you watch it now and you think, yeah, that's no longer the spirit of fun. I think also what makes, um, I guess, these particular things like Little Britain and Chris Illy is, is the fact that they're not portrayed by people from those communities. They're portrayed no. by white people. Yeah. Um, which I think is compounding the issue quite somewhat. So now that we're um, talking about we need greater representation in our media and our culture, mm. um, there are enough white faces on the screen without painting them brown oh my God, in just, order to accommodate for an Indian character. Just watch Neighbours for one episode and there's enough white people to paint your wall. Or Short Circuit. Short Circuit's a really good, delightful little movie from the 80s which still holds up. And unfortunately, Fisher Stevens plays an Indian character and Fisher Stevens, well, he's not Indian. Yeah, right. So the brown face and the accent, which back then was just like, okay, so he's playing an Indian character. And I was like, oh dear, mm. they couldn't get an Indian actor for that. Yeah. So. Yeah, interesting. Interesting, um, interesting conversation. But I do, I, yeah, I mean, I take your point about, a, you know, you can't erase art from history, I suppose. No. Well, but, um, um, anyway, yeah. so. It, I guess just don't, we're not celebrating it. No, anymore. we're not. <laughs> we're not like Chris Lilly, amazing Australian comedian. But, um, but, okay, so he's a comedian, but all of his comedy seems to be based on othering people. Yeah. Which is not on. Mm. So, you know, he's get some new very, material, dude. He, I've got to say, Chris Lilly as Chris Lilly, like, as the guy, it's very off-putting. I'm, mm. I'm not used to seeing him without some sort of he, character attached to his face. He's just very unassuming. If I saw him standing in line at a bank, I wouldn't even recognise him. He's a fairly ordinary looking person. I never thought much of his comedy and then it started to get uncomfortably racist and all it did was make me cringe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm not big on embarrassment comedy because that's what The Office is all based on and extras in particular. It's mm. about people digging themselves into a hole and just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I've never found that funny. It just makes me uncomfortable. Oh, you never found Frasier funny? No. Huh. No. 
See, I like No, it. I did not. And I used to watch Faulty to Faulty Towers, I admit, is very oh. funny. But I would always be watching it going like, why doesn't he just tell the truth? Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So, anyway, um, yeah. isn't it weird that we put our serious pants on every now and again? Let's have some flume. <laughs> uh, that was Disclosure with Holding On Energy Groove Radio and above that uh, yeah, Flume with Rushing Back Lovely Welcome back to the show It's Movie Groove It's what's on screen or not as it were <laughs> um, and uh, we've not got a massive amount of time before the top of the hour and, um, and my parking's run out outside so let's <laughs> just get straight to the event horizon <laughs> Yes, and first, um, exclusively on Movie Groove and indeed the website where I um, got this from. <laughs> so it's, official. The headline is See the Goonies 2. What? Concept art created for Adam F. Goldberg's pitch for the sequel. What? You heard me, a Goonies sequel. I never liked the original. Was the Goonies the one that Cindy Lauper was all up in? Yes. Yeah. That's right. It was produced by Steven Spielberg, uh, directed by... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, and I remember at the time, I remember being a big fan of uh, Indiana Jones and Gremlins. I remember, oh, uh, goodies, oh, it's Steven Spielberg, this is going to be awesome. And then when I saw it, I thought, this is a kid's movie. Yeah. I was a child. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was a child of about 12, and I remember thinking, this is a kid's movie, this is garbage. Um, because I was a weird kid, I liked the Indiana Jones type thing where, you know, people's heads exploded. <laughs> and people's faces melted. Yes, melting and, and explosions and stuff like that. Yeah. I was a weird kid, basically. Mm-hmm. I used to draw things in class that today would get me sent straight to a psychiatrist. Well, Richard Donner is the director of The Goonies. There you go. I knew it was somebody famous. Um, so for years, fans have been asking for uh, a sequel to that garbage. Um it's probably good. I watched it once when I was a kid, and I haven't seen it since. And people still rave about it. Really, I, I know. I, I mean, I the song that's associated with it that Cindy Lauper does called "Good Enough for You." Good enough. We don't have yeah. it here. I tried to find it, but we don't have it. I don't mind that song, and but when I saw the video clip and it had all the footage from the movie, mm-hmm. um, it yeah, it didn't float my boat. Yeah. It just looked like. It just looked like a made-for-TV movie. Like, if you say the words Spielberg yeah. is involved with that, I'm like, really? Because it mm. looks cheap. It it did look sort of... You could tell everything was a set. That's it, yeah. And um, uh, and the villains were really cartoony. Yeah, it was and a little bit pantomime and it, I didn't like that. It has it has some uncomfortable darkness in it. Mm. You know, because it's a kid's movie, but it features a guy... Um, uh, he breaks out of jail by pretending that he's hung himself in his cell. <laughs> mm. And that's how the movie starts. Yeah. That is the cold open of the Goonies. A guy is hanging from the cell, the, the ceiling of his cell. Um, but and the, I mean, that's the 80s. That always, like Kids things always had some weird dark twist to and, it. And the crime family, they, they have a, a, a special needs child right. living in their basement. Oh. Is that, I can't remember. There's some kind of mutant living in their basement called Glunk or Kronk or something that the uh, one of the kids uh, ends up in the basement and this thing is down there. 
And it's just basically one of their siblings who they've locked in the basement oh, no. because he he's come he's out. He's different. He's different, yeah. Uh, and he ends up becoming one of the sidekicks, you know, like their mm. little pet mm. um, special needs child. <laughs> so there's that. That's awkward. Plus, you know, all uncomfortable things like the kid, the little Asian kid from the second Indiana Jones movie is in it. Oh, yeah. He's Asian, so he's smart and he knows about computers and they can barely understand what he's saying. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Goonies still on Netflix, is it? Is that yeah, problematic again, racism? something of its time. Mm. Mm. So, uh, anyway, they want to make a Goonies 2. God knows why. Um, Look, it's a bit... I mean, it's a long time between drinks, really. I mean, the original Goonies audience isn't going to want to see it. No. They might, might want to take their kids to see the second one because they'll yeah. be like, hey, this is something from my era. No one's going to care, though. No. No. And uh, they've got, like, one piece of concept art here. But That's the Cindy story. But Cindy Lauper's still alive, so there's a chance for another Cindy Lauper track. Yeah, but she sounds like Marianne Faithful now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like True Colours as sung by somebody's frog. <laughs> you know. They are true colours. <laughs> In fact, by now, it might be, she might have one of those buzzy things she has to press against her. They are true colours. That happened to me when I was a kid. I phoned up. Uh, I phoned up one of my friends, and mm. I hadn't seen his father for a while. And the phone was like, "Hello," and I went, <laughs> like, "What's going on? Hello, Ben? Is that you, you idiot? Oh, I no. don't know who you are." <laughs> and this went on for a while until eventually I, I started thinking, right? So his father was a chain smoker. Yeah. Oh dear. Yes. Is, is Ben in? <laughs> no, he's not. Click. So, um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so that's the Goonies. Also, Percy Jackson is back. Oh, no um, one cares is... about that. Oh, but wait a minute. What? I've been reading the Percy Jackson uh, books to my son, and they're really good. I mean, yes, it's a straight ripoff of Harry Potter, but it's a good one. Sure. And uh, there was a couple of movies made um, <laughs> Didn't years really make ago. Any. Didn't make any ripples, did they? Didn't really make any ripples because they're awful. And uh, awful according to the person who wrote the books. Rick Reardon is the man's name, or Riordan as you may be pronouncing it. It's pronounced Reardon. It's an Irish name. Um, so uh, it's it was turned into a film franchise that they were hoping that 20th Century Fox, and who were hoping would be their own Harry Potter. But nope, they made two movies and nobody cared because they were terrible. <laughs> um, but... Uh, there's an up uh, an upcoming Disney Plus series. Oh no! That they're hoping won't follow the same path of disappointment. Um, Rick Reardon's uh, take on Twitter was, "quote I don't know, but it's clearly a mistake. They should censor the entire thing. Just two hours of a blank screen." <laughs> In response to people asking him how he felt about the movie being shown. Uh, that's um, funny. So uh, it's not great. No. Um, but, uh, well, so, well, to you guys, he says, it's a couple hours of entertainment. To me, it's my life's work going through a meat grinder when I pleaded with them not to do it. So, yeah, but it's fine. All fine. We're going <laughs> to fix it soon. Oh, wow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no bad blood there at all by the sounds of it. No, uh, but, uh, the books themselves, as I said, uh, uh, we were, my son and I were listening to the audiobook version, Yeah. but the kid who was, the kid who was doing the the reading he was doing the accents and he was doing the voices badly yeah badly the, the, so badly that i but like robbie and i agreed what i'll do is i'll get physical copies of the books and i will read them to you yeah so 
I can't do audiobooks just for that reason. It's the voices they don't match my own voice in my head and not I'm you, not as convinced by it. Yeah, I know. Not if you've read uh not if you've read the book yourself. Mm. And then um I don't mind them being read by the original author. Sure. Like Douglas Adams reading books by Douglas Adams I can deal with. Sure. And uh and Neil Gaiman they're okay. Um but uh yeah. Um, but the Percy Jacksons, if they actually made a series that stayed true to the original material, <clears throat> I think that would be quite good. But you know, pretty heavy on the special of special effects, a lot of character design, yeah. and that's just expensive. Yes. But in any case, um, it's bound to be better than the movies. Um, I don't think I'm making a big call there. That's not <laughs> me going out on a limb at all. Those movies suck. Yeah. So. Um, before we go, Netflix has announced a million dollar donation to help Australia's hard hit arts and entertainment industry workers. Uh, as oh, a, that's me. That's you, Al. Yeah. Um, as a petition calling on the government to inject cash into the sector begins racking up signatures. Netflix made the announcement. This is all according to news.com.au. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But Netflix made the announcement this morning in a mm. partnership with the Charity Support Act, who we love here at Energy Groove. They do some great work. Um, Support Acts helps uh, the arts and entertainment industry workers during times of crisis, um, whether it's music industry, whether it's theatre, whether it's TV, film, whatever. But the COVID-19 Film and TV Emergency Relief Fund is designed to help workers in the TV and film industry after the pandemic closed down a whole bunch of productions that basically put a stop to our film and TV industry, didn't it? Hmm. I wonder if I can get hold of some of that cash. You might be able to. Our fund is expected to benefit up to 1,000 workers with a one-time payment of $1,000. Netflix also donated funds to assist Support Act's ongoing work. You know what? I probably won't because I have a job at the moment. Sure. Um, but, that would be uh, a bit selfish of you to double dip. It might be. <laughs> um, I don't know if you... Uh, there was a few years ago when there was a particularly cold winter in Britain, there was a, f uh, a lot of money was set aside to help heat the homes of the very poor mm. for uh, a certain amount of time during that winter. And it was revealed that the palace, Buckingham Palace, had applied for some of that money. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. So um, I would... I, I, I think that's... Uh, well, that's wrong. Yeah, yes, would be a way of putting it. And so I think that if I was to apply for some of that money when I'm actually currently gamefully employed, it would also be a little bit wrong. Yes. So I won't be doing that. Uh, if you're a member of the arts community in Australia, I won't be taking your $1,000 away from you. Please, Thanks, Al. Please do keep you're listening to this show. You're such an angel. <laughs> Just don't be a dick. It's an easy rule to remember. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's everything we have. And so we're going to see ourselves out with The Sound of Movies. We were talking about Cindy Lauper before. Yes, we um, were. And, uh, and I had a track from her here somewhere. <laughs> it's going to walk about. <laughs> no, there it is. Uh, so, yes, um, she did write a song called, I think it was called Good Enough for the Goonies, because we were discussing the Goonies. Mm. But we don't have that track on file. But what we do have is one of her um, more famous numbers. It's one of the ones that's... Uh, held up fairly well over the years. Drive All Night? Um, it was certainly, no, it was certainly uh, a big hit back in its day. It's called True Color. Uh, uh. Well, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> she was massive back in the day. She was, I mean, she was in the goodies, but she was in everything. She showed up in pro wrestling. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the like Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper punching each other and arguing because they both wanted to be Cindy Lauper's friend. Well, the thing and is, all she's, the rednecks she's, eating it up. She's just cool, man. Yeah. She's just a really cool chick. And it was quite fun. To, it's quite fun to know that one of her most popular songs, She Bop, was actually about masturbation. Oh. Like, you know, the theme of that song is women masturbate too. You know what? A lot of and, songs. And nobody are... noticed. But when you look at the lyrics now, you go, like, how did nobody notice? Well, I know. I mean, um, Madonna's Like a Prayer. Uh, about masturbation. Yeah, never knew that one either, but there you go. Just like a prayer, I'm going to take you there. Take you there. Take <laughs> yeah. You there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's like a dream. I'm flicking the bean. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, that's enough no, from me. In the, uh, <laughs> when you call my name, it's like a little prayer. I'm down on my knees. I want to take you there. In the midnight, That's about giving somebody a blowjob. In the midnight hour, I can feel your power. Right. Yeah. So it's not about masturbation, it's about sex. Oh, With lots of religious imagery in the video. And the video by itself caused enough controversy without people going, and the song's about sex. Yeah, sure. Let's just say generally sex. But, you know, a lot of songs would be. I think we've courted enough controversy in this show. (laughs) Like if, you know. um, We always do. I'm glad that our listeners never call in, otherwise we'd be in a lot of trouble. Mm. Anyway, um... Uh, once again, come back next week between five and slightly after seven for another fix of movies not happening. <laughs> uh, also, listen to Arvo's sure. between uh, three and five every afternoon, Feminist Fridays and Friday, and Deep Scan coming up next on Energy Groove Radio. But until next time we meet here, Cindy Lauper, please do enjoy your lives. <laughs>